Our scripture for today comes from Colossians chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My husband and I studied psychology in college, and you would probably quickly become bored around our dinner table when we nerd out about the field of psychology. I enjoyed all of my psych classes, but one of my favorites was biopsych or biological psychology. So biopsych is a field that essentially studies how the brain, its components, and biology influence human thought, emotion, and behavior. So biopsych looks at things like perception. Like how do I perceive that this color is red? How is my brain telling my body and my mind to stand here and speak? How does my brain perceive or understand what another person is telling me when we're in conversation? The brain is unbelievable in its complexity and beauty and efficiency, but especially in its ability to adapt. In my college biopsych class, we learned about what's called plasticity of the brain. So for many years, researchers believed that the brain stopped developing very early, shortly after birth. But over time, scientific discovery has revealed that the human brain has the capacity to change throughout the lifespan. So while children's brains are much more sensitive to their environment and they tend to adapt and change more quickly, adult brains can also change. The brain can create new neurons or brain cells. New connections in the brain, neural pathways, can actually form all throughout the lifespan. Science has demonstrated that our cognition our habits of thinking have the power to physically change our brains. So when we think one way over and over again, there is a biological impact in our brain. 
for better or for worse. Thought is incredibly powerful. The world we see, the world we create, is a reflection of what were only once ideas and mental images. We also know that our actions are powerfully shaped by our minds. We see this in athletes, for example, who are trying to master a new skill. The other day, I randomly overheard someone who performs with the wildly amazing acrobatic Cirque du Soleil, and he said that he had seen fellow performers make a dangerous mistake in practice. And then he had seen them become mentally crippled by fear of making the same mistake again in a way that took that athlete months to work through and overcome. In the conversation, he said, so when I make a dangerous mistake, within 30 seconds, I go back and I immediately do the exercise over again to remove the negative association. So rather than allowing the accident to shape a cognitive reality of failure or fear, the exercise is done again to create a reality of agency and success. For thousands of years, people have grappled with the mind, the power of thought to shape worlds and realities. At times throughout human history, the mind has taken center stage. We have really valued knowledge and thinking, such as in the age of enlightenment in the 17th and 18th century in Europe. The mind mattered in the time of the early church, too. The Greek word for philosophy, philosophia, or love of wisdom, articulates well the Greco-Roman valuation of knowledge, reason, and use of the mind to unpack fundamental questions. The Colossian church faced two distinct challenges related to the culture of their day, the Greco-Roman culture, that were specifically about the mind and ways of thinking. The first was the issue of false teaching, specifically false teaching about Gnosticism and mystery religions. The second challenge was this teaching about rigid adherence to Jewish law. So throughout the letter to the Colossians, the writer is holding up these two challenges to help the Christians understand the power these ideas have in their lives and how they are shaping how they express their faith. Just like us, the Colossians lived in a highly syncretistic culture. That's a big word. There were lots of ideas that shaped and influenced them in the church. The outside world influenced the church just like it does today. The writer tells them that because they are in Christ. Their minds are now shaped by Christ and not by Gnosticism, mystery religions, or Jewish codes. And the writer was saying this to encourage them because there were teachers who were telling them the opposite, that in order to be saved by Christ, 
they had to follow these old ways of thinking, Gnosticism, mystery religions, and strict Jewish codes. So in much of chapter 2 of Colossians, right before our passage, the writer explains that being in Christ does not look like observing every Jewish code. It does not look like practicing mystery religions. It does not look like following the philosophy of the day. The point of being a Christ follower is being in Christ. So in other words, for the writer of Colossians, this writer would say that in the life of a Christian, Christ does not have a place among the mystery religions, Judaism, or Gnosticism, like he's a book that they can pull off the shelf every once in a while. Christ is the place around which everything else is arranged. Just like the Colossians, our minds and thoughts are powerfully shaped by our highly syncretistic culture. It's easy for us to make Christ a part of our lives rather than the place around which everything else is arranged. Our minds, our cognition is shaped by what our culture values and specifically what our culture overvalues. We tend to overvalue the individual. We tend to overvalue what people think about us. We tend to overvalue controlling our lives. We tend to overvalue productivity. And I think it's interesting because the word overvaluation is one way to understand the biblical concept of idolatry. It's interesting because I think we tend to overvalue things that can be toxic to us, like productivity. We will drive ourselves into the ground because we actually undervalue our status as children of God. When we know that we are children of God, when we know that we belong, that we are loved unconditionally, that we have this inherent worth as God's children, that God gives us a place to stand and a way to be in this world, then we, then we don't need to overvalue finding our worth in others or in our ability to produce, or in our ability to get our lives under control. Those things are not the point. What Colossians is saying, what the epistles are saying, and what Jesus is saying in the Gospels is that we're not captive to a reality in which we're prisoners of these mental cycles. This way of thinking that leaves us empty and weak and tired and sad and hopeless. Colossians helps us understand this mental shift that happens for those who are in Christ. 
the mental shift that happens is to move away from that which is not close to Christ and to mentally draw near to that which is in Christ. So in our passage for today, this is what it means to set your mind on things that are above where Christ is. Mentally move toward Christ. Pastor Melissa talked last week about allowing Christ to be the foundation, the center, the gravitational force of our lives and will. And if that is the case for you, if it is Christ that empowers, directs, and inspires your life, then this will become evident in your thought life. It will become evident in the things you choose to think about or ruminate on, the images you focus on, the ideas you put out there in the universe. Researcher Brene Brown does some really interesting work in this area, and she puts these mantras out there, these things to say to ourselves over and over again, and kind of helps us think about that. So one of the things she talks about with shame is this narrative this, this way of looking at ourselves and who we are as, as this orientation that I am bad. That's what shame looks like. So think about if you say that to yourself over and over and over again. If that becomes the neural pathway, the way of thinking, how that shapes your life. And another mantra she puts out there that I love is that, that Brene Brown puts out there is, I am imperfect and vulnerable, but I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. So think about if you say that to yourself over and over and over again, I am brave and worthy of love and belonging. That is your identity as a child of God. Do you see how this has power to shape your life. So what are the things you find yourself saying over and over again in your mind? What are the images always before your mind's eye? What corner of your mind, what storage closet of ideas or images, what worn out mental walls need to be examined, cleaned out, removed or reworked. I've found in my life that it's helpful for me to approach my thoughts the way I approach my feelings. To receive them with compassion, but don't immediately accept them as truth. So when I need to address my thought habits, when I recognize something going on up here that needs to be addressed, I found that it's helpful for me to visualize myself sitting with Christ, holding thoughts in my hands, gently observing them, and turning to Christ to ask for direction on what to do next with that thought, asking Christ to shape it. It's okay to wrestle with your thoughts. If you become overwhelmed by your thoughts, if you're in a place where you feel like you just can't make choices about your thinking, know that 
you're not alone, and it is okay. It is good to ask for help. The mind and the body and the heart are gateways to God. And so paying attention to your thoughts is one step that will help you allow Christ to shape, to interpret, and to even birth thoughts. So all of this gives new meaning to those words in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, when it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of the things that fascinates me about our minds is how convinced, how bought into thoughts and perceptions and beliefs that are not accurate, are not healthy, are not liberating or empowering, are simply not true. What power these can have over us. Our mind is truly powerful. And part of the journey is learning about some of the ways that our thought life can lead us away from Christ, away from that which is true and good and life-giving. I am also fascinated by how quickly our minds can be changed and our lives can be transformed like that. I hear the gospel when I hear scientists and researchers talk about the plasticity of the brain and about the power of our thoughts to change reality. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about. This is exactly what the writer of Colossians is talking about 2,000 years ago. We see Christ do this in people's lives over and over again in the Bible and throughout history, completely changing the way they see themselves, the way they see the world, the way they see their relationships, changing their sense of meaning and purpose. Christ does the same thing for you, inviting you to see yourself as one of God's beloved children who has a role to play in building God's kingdom, God's dream, God's reality for the world. It's miraculous what God can do and what God does in our minds. The point of being in Christ is not thinking the right thoughts. It is being where Christ is, allowing Christ to shape our minds. What a miracle that God in Christ has so lovingly liberated us from the idea that we are beholden to anything other than a loving God in Christ. Please pray with me. God, today we ask that you would examine our thoughts. I pray for healing for those who are hurting today, for those who feel lost in their thoughts and who feel out of control, who feel burdened, weighed down, hopeless. 
I pray that your presence would help each of us to slow down, to be mindful of what's going on in our heads, and to sit with you and allow you to shape the way we think and how we see the world. Remind us, God, that we are your beloved children. Amen.